Welcome to the Viewpoint Podcast with your host, Henry Grosek. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosick. It gives me a great pleasure today to welcome Jennifer Maley, who's the co-director for an organisation called Resumes for Results and also um, also has a connection to the Australian uh, Paper Lions Australia Group, which does some fascinating stuff. Um, had a very interesting career. Uh, development oh. as Jennifer, um, but we'll get onto that in a moment. But firstly, welcome to Viewpoints, Jennifer Miley. Thank you very much, Henry. Thank you for having me on today. Now, there's a lot of intriguing things about uh, your career development that are inspiring. I'm in the uh, education teaching profession, and um, it's also heartening and sad in a way from my perspective, but uh, certainly I, 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 I applaud you. You began as a teacher, and you've now moved uh, using those skills and others you've acquired uh, into other fields. Uh, Tell us a bit about your your career firstly as a teacher. Thanks, Henry. Uh, My career began as a teacher in the mid-80s, doing emergency teaching in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne for a couple of years before I moved to schools in the north and inner suburbs. In the early 90s, I specialised in teaching phys ed, maths and science before joining the Prep 1-2 teaching group at Carlton Primary School, Neal Street. A challenging school to work at, that one, nicknamed Hell Street in the 80s because of its open plan format. Can I interrupt you there? Um, Hell Street in the 80s. Now, open plan was really big in those days, uh, Jennifer. Um, Why do you think uh, it it lost favour? Because it's come back in the modern schools. It has. And look, uh, it was Hell Street because they had a thousand children there in this open plan format across three levels. And how did you find it personally? Well, I I got there in the 90s. By then, uh, they put walls up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, we did that. I was at at a Dandenong school and what I noticed about them too at that point was that, yes, they were open plan initially and then we built up library shelves and bookcases um, for the very reasons that um, we we felt they were too distracting and too too noisy uh, and so on and so forth. It really mm. was. But they've come back again now. Um, in a lot of the newer schools, they're almost all open plan and they, they talk about the fact that they're um, flexible learning spaces. But if you're teaching in them, you don't have that much flexibility with three or four colleagues all teaching in a reasonably constricted space uh, uh, to large groups of children. It's a bit more restrictive. But anyway, go on. Yes, so uh, they reckoned that the noise level was horrendous when they had the 1,000 children, but by the 90s, the school was on the cutting edge of educational initiatives across uh, Victoria, catering for a school population from the Local Housing Commission with a high percentage of Muslim students, Turkish, Somalian and Asian students, Chinese and Vietnamese. But I love the school's culture, gaining a broad understanding of our incredible, diverse Australian society. Mm. Now, you took family leave in late 95. How long were you out for and what happened there? 
Well, as you would know, they offer you the nine years and if you want to come back, you know, you, you give a bit of notice. But look, I, I ended up having one child and then uh, uh, by IVF and then I had another child straight away. So it was really challenging to think about uh, moving back into the teaching space and I had also moved further away from uh, the inner city. So by 2000, I still wasn't in the right headspace to return to teaching, but I, I always knew I needed something to do. Uh, so I began an pr online proofing course. Mm. So I'd always been able to spot mistakes fairly easily in written text. And I finished the course in two years, not three years, and, and wanted to put my skills, my new skills to good use. The only problem was that all the jobs advertised in that industry asked for experience <laughs> and, a level, and a level of competency in online editing programs, and I didn't have any of that. So what happened? So then I decided we'll put that to the side, and I went to work at Wonga Park Primary School where my children now attended. I became the out-of-school hours care coordinator, then the reliever for education support staff. And then I was soon roped in to do emergency teaching, quickly getting back into the swing of things. Mm -hmm. and, and this is the mag the magic part. Yes, it's, uh, <laughs> as we were saying off air, we're, we're, we're separated, the people say, by six degrees of separation. And I, I didn't realise this, but there was a connection. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so you would be aware that Deborah Grossek, your wife, was principal of the school around this time, Henry. Uh, I became the go-to reliable emergency teacher. And then Deborah left to go to Glendale Primary School, but we kept in touch. Uh, and then she found that she needed assistance to revise the existing Glendale policy manual. And I worked on those documents uh, for a consistent layout on a voluntary basis and really appreciated the opportunity from Deborah to get some proofreading experience up my sleeve. Then uh, you went through further, but uh, you went to a state uh, secondary teacher assistant uh, position for two years, but you left in late 2010 and you were ready for your next challenge. And this is where, this is where it gets really interesting. Tell us what happened yeah. um, in late 2010. Yeah, look, uh, I'd never written a resume in my life. Even the ones that I'd used to apply for jobs had been written by other people and my computer skills weren't really there. And But I successfully applied for a position as a career consultant with resumes for results known as RFR. And I knew I was good with people. I could listen to them, ask analytical questions and then transfer their words onto paper. And so in 2010, the RFR business was run on the franchise model with geographic areas allocated. So together with my franchisee, we serviced the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne and into the Yarra Valley. And then you had and six years of gaining hands-on experience. You enjoyed that. You also, you also um, got involved in something else and you, you were doing two roles simultaneously. That's interesting. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was where I really felt uh, the flexibility of working from home with RFR would still work if I worked part-time elsewhere. So, look, I gained experience in the educational publishing sector, revising school diaries and calendars, uh, updating workshop materials and select entry practice exams. Mm. And this went on and on and by 2016, you were responsible for the completion of a remote educational project for the Department of Human Services. 
Well, that sounds interesting. Tell us a bit about that. That was when they implemented the new My Age Care system and they realised that their documentation to train new people uh, needed to be totally revised and, and have one person to do it. And I became that person. And uh, they discovered gaps in their materials for the assessors and the call centre staff. So uh, it was 12 units of work to train new staff and it was facilitator materials, student workbooks, assessment documents, all needed to be printed as well as developed as online units of work. And it was two months of very gruelling work and I was liaising with multiple authors who had healthcare backgrounds. Mm. What what did you learn from that experience? Uh, people don't like being <laughs> told their mistake. <laughs> um, and and just because they have healthcare backgrounds doesn't mean they understand that when it's an online option and it's multiple choice, when you choose multiple choice in that way, you can only choose one option and you can't have two options that might be the right answer. Mm, mm, that that was that. a really big one. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that was it. Now, Paper Lines Australia, where do they come into the equation? Well, around the same time, I, I, I just finished the project. Uh, it was a remote uh, project with uh, Department of Human Services with Camp through uh, CIT Solutions in Canberra. I had a friend who was working on his autobiography. And so I offered to get more experience again. I offered to work on a voluntary basis to help him as he was dyslexic and he was struggling with his spelling. So he then said, you know, why don't you have your own business rather than working for other people? So together we created a website and Paper Lions Australia was born. We did want Paper Tiger as I'm a Richmond oh. supporter, <laughs> but the domain name was already taken. Now, you've got a motto, taking pride in all that we do. Um, it's not actually an unusual motto. Um, why did you pick it, though? Because it refers back to a lion, the pride. Mm. Ah, you love a play, mm. on, a play on words. Now, we need, to take a short, we need to take a short break. Uh, Jennifer, can you hold the line? Certainly can. Thanks, Henry. Terrific. <laughs> Welcome back to Viewpoint Systems. I'm your host, Henry Grosick, and I'm in the middle of an interview with Jennifer Maley, co-director owner of Resumes for Results. Welcome back to the conversation, Jennifer. Thank you, Henry. Now, Jennifer, before the break, we had a good look at how your career has uh, moved from once upon a time a teacher to now owning your own business. What's the, what's the best part and the biggest challenge of now owning a business versus working for an employer, particularly in the public sector? Well, I think uh, when I started at RFR, I never expected that I would own it. And so I've come from the ground up. So I've got that understanding of how the whole organisation operates. Uh, and, and for me, the most satisfying uh, aspect of being a career con consultant is being uh, facilitating these mock interview sessions that we run. Mm. Now, now, one of the challenges, you meet lots of interesting clients and we all come with baggage, hopes, dreams and, and gaps. 
Uh, mm. When you're sitting down with somebody, obviously they're not going to go to an interview uh, or write a resume that uh, will turn off a prospective employer. So when you're dealing mm. with the human, how do you ensure that when they leave, they leave with a smile? <laughs> uh, it's about appreciating them as a client, but not just as a client, but as a person. Mm. And treating them, listening to their story. Don't don't tell them their story. Listen to their story. Mm. And then you've you've got to then tell the story in a resume, in with resume speak language, which is very unique, and some people can't understand it in that we don't use first-person words like I, my or mine and, and things like that. It's all still – it can come across as very stilted language. And so I transfer it into resume speak as such and then they look at it and they go, oh, it sounds funny. And I go – so then I've got to explain, oh, that's the way we do it and why we do it that way is because that's – like doing it that way and presenting it as best – as possible, gives them the, the best possible chance to get an interview. Yeah. yeah. Now, you do mock interviews. I know pa- the pandemic has made that, had made that pretty hard. We're moving back into where we are now. Uh, what's the key to how you organise your mock interviews and, and, and how does that help the, uh, the client? Well, it's really an interesting thing because everyone reacts differently to talking to the computer. Uh, It's all about displaying positive body language along with a range of do's and don'ts. Uh, And we've got to consider things like the use of fake backgrounds. If you've ever come across someone who's stressed in an interview situation and they use a fake background, they can sometimes rock backwards and forwards towards the computer screen And then from there, the other person on the other side can actually see what's behind that fake background. Mm, And you really don't uh, don't want Uh, that to happen. Yes. And, of course, suitable clothing options and setting up the video to put them at the best aspect for the person to see them best. Has that been a challenge for you? Because historically pre-pandemic, most interviews, I know we internationally and other places do have them via Zoom links, etc. but a lot of interviews were in person and there virtually would have been none during some parts of the pandemic. How did that affect how you approached your work? Well, that the first part of the interview session is always to discuss what their previous experiences are and then discuss whether or not the next one that they're going for will be in person or remote and then focus on that in the mock interview part of the session. And so before we even start, I know what they they want to work on and it might simply be something as moving their hands around too much uh, while they're talking. And as you would know, if it's a Zoom call, that can be really distracting. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Now, you mentioned do's and don'ts for people who are applying for jobs. Um, what are some of the uh, – well, well, firstly, with your application, because that usually is the thing that gets you to the interview or not, mm. what, what's, what's important, what's an important do and don't when you're actually writing your resume? And obviously people coming to you would be made aware of this. Absolutely. And look, the first thing when you're facing applying for your dream job is that 
you can be nervous about presenting yourself and it's actually easier for me to write about someone than for someone to write about themselves. Mm. Right? And then following all the job application requirements in the ad, that's number one. If they ask for a certain thing, give it to them. (laughs) If they (laughs) You know, if they want a Word document rather than a PDF, make sure you do that touch base with all the essential elements of that application and then at least you've you've done all the right things and leave those flowery formats and online templates alone. Mm. What what about mm. um, what about doing homework on your employer too? I know some people their choices are limited; they need a job, but um, making sure that the job for which you apply doesn't turn out to be a poison chalice, just in case you get it. Do you have a discussion with people about why they're applying for jobs? So, uh, yes and no. Uh, everyone has their own reasons, but look, uh, I actually go into that with them in uh, that I have to also know all the requirements of the job. And if there's warning bells going off for a certain employer, when if it's an application on SEEK, for instance, uh, they do have the reviews that you can look at and find out about uh, the type of employer, what the the reviews they've got. Mm, That's a good point. Mm. Now, do's and don'ts, Mm. when you get there at the interview, there's a couple of things that are really important. You might like to spell them out for the (laughs) potential. And I'm sure you you tell them, but tell us a couple. (laughs) Okay. The first thing is a definite no-no is to talk badly about a current or a previous employer. That's just not on. Uh, They would assume that uh, if you left their employer later on that you would – speak badly about them. So it's all about that, how you behave is an indicator of how you will behave in the future. And it's viewed as being pretty high, highly unprofessional. Mm. So that's that's pretty bad in an interview situation. And what about um, speaking to the criteria for which you have to do a bit of work to make sure you know that uh, when you're asked questions, you can link whatever it is that you've got to whatever it is that they think they want or do want? Yeah, yeah. Now, that's the starting part for me. If I'm pre- preparing all their documents, I would do the resume first, then the cover letter, and then attack the criteria with what I know from having done the other documents and from talking to them and present a draft with prompts so that inside the criteria I would give them ideas, you know, have you faced a situation where, uh, you know, you've had to use your initiative to solve a problem if that was, you know, uh, the question, Uh, things like that. So uh, it's all about that. It's a draft process. Let's make a draft first, present it to the client then work backwards and forwards until they're happy. And so they would give me written responses or they would bring me on the phone and tell me what their responses are and then I would rewrite them accordingly. Now, now, when people go to interview, you mentioned earlier, um, nerves can get the better. Everybody goes in there some degree nerves. Mm. I, don't, I don't even think the most confident of people don't put on a bit of a facade. You must come across people who have applied for a few jobs and been unsuccessful and their confidence has been dented. Um, how do you support them to their next uh, interview 
they might do themselves a bit more justice because I'm sure you've heard, as I've heard in my profession, you know, um, look, I know I can do that job really well and I think I can do it better than anyone else, but I just don't interview well. <laughs> yeah, and as you, you hit the nail on the head, Henry. It's a confidence game. Mm. Absolutely. And so build, the whole process of going through this mock interview process is to build their confidence in whichever area that they need to work on and then everyone comes back to me when they've had the real interview you know because I've got to prepare the questions along the lines of I'm trying to replicate the situation that they're facing so uh, they come back to me and say yes they gave me exactly those questions or you know uh, they gave me them but they were worded differently and things like that and even a different wording can just set people off and things like that in that they expect it to come to them one way and then they get it presented to them a different way and they get that blank. Mm. And, of course, getting people to look at things a bit more flexibly and laterally and being nimble-minded helps. Uh, we've got to finish off. Time's got away from us, but a quick question. What's the most rewarding part of your work? Because uh, yeah, most people don't hang around a job too long if they hate it. <laughs> well, I think... Look, when I think back uh, to my first training with RFR, there were two of us. Uh, she was high up in HR. I was just, you know, leaving teaching and administration and we got trained together. She lasted a month and she couldn't handle it. <laughs> so I've built that reputation for being able to listen to people, be patient with them, some people don't have good computer skills, so then I'm actually doing the applications on their behalf and things like that. Absolutely. So um, mm. if people want to get in touch with you, obviously we can finish on that note uh, uh, for that sort of support. Uh, how would they do that? So, look, we've got a website, uh, Resumes for Results. It's www.resumes.net.au uh, and there's... Uh, consultants in there and phone numbers and everything there and you can look at our Google reviews and most of them are five star. Gee whiz. Of course, five star out of five stars is pretty good and it's certainly not five stars out of ten possible stars. No. <laughs> oh, goodness. Jennifer, it's well, been a real pleasure catching up with you and uh, yes, look, at the beginning of all this, it was unbeknown to me, uh, firstly, that you had been in the teaching profession and secondly, that uh, that you'd... Uh, You'd crossed paths or actually merged paths for a while with uh, with my wife, Deborah Grossack. Uh, I know she wishes you all the best in what you're doing. And if we ever need to do another resume, uh, hopefully not. But if we do, we'll know where to go, won't we, Jennifer? You will. And thank you so much for having me. My, Thanks, Henry. My pleasure. There's a case too, listeners. Um, I look at things in many aspects. And um, if you're in the teaching profession, it is it is a demanding career and it's one with a lot of skills required and uh, be, it does give you the capacity to segue into other careers and do so successfully um, and Jennifer Maley, co-director and owner of Resumes for Results, I think is a shining example of that and it was a real pleasure having her on our program. You've been listening to the Viewpoints Podcast, hosted by Henry Grossek and produced by Rob Kelly. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and rate us via Apple Podcasts. 